Everything's gonna be all right. It's been a great year. Good day wherever you're listening from, and welcome. It's Indoor Air Quality Radio. We're Friday, December 18th, the last show of 2015. It's episode 395, and my name is Radio Joe Hughes. Here with me in the studio at the controls is our engineer, John. You gotta have faith. And joining me back from Studio C in McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania, is the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. Hey, Joe. Hey, John. Hello, everybody. And I've got a guest here. Hey, hey, everyone. How are you doing? Ah, Zach. How are you there, Zach? I'm back, man. I'm back. Good to have our original engineer back in the saddle. Awesome. We'll, we'll bring you in as the show goes on. Zach Zlotnick. All right. All right. This week, uh, we're going to look at the year in review. The Z-Man and I have gone back through the archives, looked at his blogs, listened to a few shows, and um, we're going to go back and kind of pick through the shows and actually go through them all, we hope, and figure out what we learned this year. So before we get started, though, we have to thank the people who we wouldn't be here without, and that's our sponsors. We're going to start with our marquee sponsors. And thanks to our newest sponsor, Particles Plus. Particles Plus engineers and manufacturers feature-rich particle counters, air quality monitoring instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. Learn more at www.particlesplus.com. Count on us. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products services okay of course everybody knows how to get the show now you can stream it from our homepage, iaqradio.com you can download from the itunes podcast area and last but not least please visit the iaq training institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust there it's at iaqtraining.com all right let's turn it over to the z-man for another popular part of our show today's iaq radio trivia question Thanks, Joe. What a cool prize by out-competing fellow IAQ radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ radio trivia question each week Submitting your answer is easy. Either email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, you can text in the answer via your computer. Congratulations. <laughs> Brian Baker, Custom Vac Limited of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, for the first correct answer to last week's IEQ Radio Trivia question. 
The IEQ Radio Trivia Question for Friday, December 18, 2015, has been sponsored by Triska, the Restoration and Specialty Cleaners Association, who have been serving the needs of and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Remember, Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. Check out their website. It is trsca.org. Now for this week's trivia question. Name the Baseball Hall of Famer born on today's date. Hmm. Interesting. That's a good one, Cliff. That might be a little tough to find, too. And and a shout-out to Brian Baker. I'm glad to think, see things are going well for you. And uh, hopefully you got the book we sent. We uh, sent out a copy of Dr. Spurgeon's book. And uh, Dr. Joe Spurgeon, who was a guest on the show, I think he was this year, Cliff, was he? Yes, he was. Yes, and he was. Um, 7, 10, 15. As well. Um, trying to think. I've got him in July 10th, 2015. All right, let's 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 go back. Do you want to start from the beginning of the year, or do you want to move back to the uh, end of the year? I want to start from the beginning, but I want to hear the music. Oh, that's right. There you go. Good job on the on the song as always. Let's go back to the beginning of the year. We we started out the year with a, uh, a popular and somewhat controversial guest, Dr. Richie Shoemaker. Dr. Shoemaker is a medical doctor, and um, the title of that show was the Union of Genomics and Neuroquant. Um, it's funny, you know, when we bring Richie on, we get we get great um, downloads and numbers and and. I, I love hearing him discuss his research, and I think he's been doing quite a bit of research on you know the, what he calls the chronic inflammatory risk syndrome, the Sears. Cliff, what did you feel were the important points from that show? Well, I, you know, I think for me, um, about this effect on the brain and about you know the toxins having this adverse effect uh, on brain, almost similar to concussion. And the fact that through using this NeuroQuant software program uh, that manipulates MRA results and expanding the size of it, that they can actually make these calculations. So I thought that that was important. I thought that was a big breakthrough. Yeah, that's that's been an interesting topic, and and the first time he's talked about it was with uh, this year at least with us um, the NeuroQuant software and taking the MRI and and putting it into a computer uh, program and then seeing what areas of the brain were um, either working you know normally or maybe had some impairment. I, I kind of thought about. Um, Another guest we've had a few years back now, Dr. Eckhart Johanning, who um, for years now has felt that there was some kind of cognitive impairment for people who were in water-damaged buildings, and it, it seems like they're, they're starting to uh, find better ways of determining if that is a fact or not, and I think it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. 
Dr. Shoemaker has also been uh, training other physicians in his protocol, and uh, I think that's interesting that he, he went to that approach and, and hasn't been treating patients so much of his, on his own anymore. He's also got a conference that just occurred uh, probably not more than a month or two back, and they, they came out with some some papers and some statements there that I think people might be interested in. So um, you can go to his website and get more information on that. Um, I don't have it in front of me here. Cliff, do you happen to remember the name of that website? Um, I don't. All right, I I'll, don't. I'll find it. Why don't we do this? Let me uh, move on to the second show of the year, which was part three of our Research to Practice series of uh, shows we've been doing over the past couple of years now where we try and get research information to practitioners in a form that they can make some use of in the field. And Dr. Richard Corsi has been helping us bring people on. A lot of these are his PhD students or he's been recommending other people. And the show we did on January 16th included uh, Josh Aldred, who I believe was a PhD candidate, may have it now. And uh, Cliff, thoughts on that show? Well, I, I think that there were some things that were pretty startling on that show. Uh, this connection between ozone levels being higher and human mortality being higher. Uh, you know, I think his suggestion, and I think this came out of maybe some of Josh's research work, uh, reducing air changes in buildings to six per hour and installing carbon filters and how important the energy, energy savings could be you know, in, in commercial buildings for doing that. Uh, a scary thing that came out of that show was that our combat troops that have been deployed in the Middle East have been exposed to hazardous particulate and that a toxic bacteria clings to the crust of the desert soil. And, you know, the fact that he pointed out there's no environmental control, there's no agency like the EPA in Afghanistan and Iraq really protecting uh, our troops or really protecting the populations there. Yeah, I thought that was, um, you, you picked up on the six per hour and, and also on, they were working with installing a combination filter that was both a particulate filter and a filter that, that would help with VOCs and uh, using a carbon filter. And, and he was showing that um, the carbon filters were also helpful with ozone. I don't think people realize what type of ozone exposure occurs indoors. We, he, he stated we get 50% of ozone exposure indoors, and um, ozone also reacts with other indoor materials producing byproducts, and those byproducts can be irritants, and, and some are likely to be toxins. And uh, when the ozone levels are higher, human mortality is higher. Ozone exacerbates respiratory problems. So I thought um, his, his discussion of that, and then in a later show, we talked a little bit about how much ozone gets from inside to, from outside to inside of buildings. And um, in that show, they mentioned that about 30 to 60, indoor levels are 30 to 60% lower than outdoors. Um, except in these new tighter buildings where now we're getting like 5% of outdoor levels, which is probably a good part of tightening up buildings, but then you have the other issues with tightening up buildings. So it's a, it's a balancing act and, and one that I think we all have to be careful with. Um, so those were the, some of the thoughts I had from that show. It was great to have those two join us, and uh, we appreciate 
Dr. Corsi helping us get people like Josh Aldred on the show. I also have um, Dr. Shoemaker's website at survivingmold.com. And there was also a, um, a text, a note um, that the effects aren't going back to the effects of uh, um, water damaged buildings. The, the, they aren't toxic effects, they're neurological effects. Um, and that's something that I think, you know, um, people are still working on. We're going, we're going to find out. Looks like Steve Teams texted that in. Hello, Steve. All right, let's go to the next show, Cliff. Um, I think that would be 123. With Brent Kynock. That was episode 353. We had Brent Kynock with the Environmental Information Association uh, talking about asbestos uh, and lead. And I think that the group's mission is uh, very, very worthy. They collect, generate, and disseminate accurate and unbiased information about asbestos, lead, radon, indoor air quality, and other environmental hazards to their members. And uh, they have a diverse member base, you know, contractors, researchers, manufacturers, uh, et cetera. You know, being an old asbestos guy, I actually got into this industry back in 1987 doing asbestos consulting in the summer. I was a school teacher, and um, a buddy of mine I went to school with, uh, we, were in the, we were the old guys in class, and um, we were worried about parking money and diapers and things like that while the other the other people in class were you know wondering what party they were going to that night but um danny hunt who's also been on the show and i worked closely with you know he he uh was a guy that got me into the asbestos world and and back then the purple book was you know that was kind of the the gospel with respect to asbestos and you got to think that was 1987 i think it may have come out in 86, 87, somewhere in that range. And um, it had never been revised and updated. And EIA, the Environmental Information Association, has, they were, they, they worked a deal with EPA somehow. I don't remember exactly how it worked, but they were able to revise that document. There's now a new purple book out. It's more current. I bought a copy of it actually after the show because I was so happy to see it was out. And uh, it's a great document. So if you're looking for just one book to help you better understand asbestos and asbestos-related issues, go to the Environmental Information Association website and get yourself a copy of the Purple Book. I, I think it was only like 25 or 30 bucks too, maybe 50 but it's a nice uh, hard copy book, um, you know, soft cover, but uh, probably a couple hundred pages and, and a great document to have in your resource library. All right. Let's move on to the next show. Cliff, comments on the January 30th show. We had Lanchi Weeks and Don Weeks, the the couple from uh, up in Canada that uh, are well-known in the indoor air quality world. You know, I, I think I titled that Two Weeks, I think, you know, kind of playing <laughs> on their name. But I just thought that Lanchi's life story was very inspirational, the fact that she and her family uh, fled Vietnam as, as both people and emigrated to Quebec, Canada because uh, of their uh, familiarity with French. And uh, the fact that they had an uptick in their consulting work based on Legionella, uh, having an outbreak in, in a government building up there, and that risk management requires that all building water systems be investigated, even rainwater 
captured for watering grass and plants needs to be considered because they found living uh, viable Legionella in it. And it gave some great tips on odor investigation uh, because it's subjective and that we, the investigator should avoid having preconceived notions, that they should listen to building occupants, use Ronald Reagan's uh, motto of trusting but verifying in order to locate odor sources and eliminate them. Yeah, I thought also they brought up, and I, I, Don has, and Lanchi have been great supporters of the show. We appreciate that. Uh, Don's the immediate past president of IAQA. And um, they were talking about some emerging issues that IAQ listeners should be keeping an eye on, and that included infectious disease in isolation rooms, um, the effects of energy savings on indoor air quality, and one they haven't seen a whole lot of yet, but I think it's still coming, is the health concerns with nanotechnology, uh, the one with re- respect to infectious disease in isolation rooms, and, and you know that's been a hot topic, especially in the Pittsburgh area here lately. We had some people die from um, mold exp- mold infections at, um, which hospital was that, Cliff? Uh, oh, it was more than one. Yeah, a couple of hospitals in the Pittsburgh area. It happens all the time, but there were three in, in one of our local hospitals, and then I recently read about the Pittsburgh VA had to isolate um, their operation, one of their operating rooms because of fungal infections and uh, fungal contamination in a mechanical system, so I think they were right on there. The other area emerging is the the semi-volatile organic compounds, so SVOCs. All right, let's move on to the next one. Oh, they also noted that their lead work, Leadership in Energy and Environmental Design, has also evolved into demonstrating the value to general contractors um, about involving an indoor air quality consultant from the design stage onward to document the construction process rather than calling them to just take some samples the day before the building opens. Interesting that we mentioned that. Yesterday I was at a meeting with one of my clients at Community College, not too far from here, and they're getting ready to do a bunch of uh, planning for renovations, and and I brought that up to them and said, you know, it really would be a good idea if I was somewhat involved during the planning process, and they agreed that would be a good idea. So just an example of how a, a tip from IAQ Radio can work in the real world and uh, help people you know, make a living doing this type of work. So let's go back to uh, the next show, Cliff. I believe that's going to be, we're going to, you want to skip the flashbacks? We did a flashback with Joe Steebrook. I don't know if you made any notes on that. I, I didn't, I didn't. All right, let's go to Tom Robertson. Uh, Dr. Tom Robertson, he's a director of Teams North America Region. Teams is the, um, what is the, that acronym? The International Emergency Management Society. Gentlemen, we met at Purdue when we were, uh, you were doing a presentation with Rusty and uh, Pete Consigli during um, the Teams conference, and I believe that would have been 2014. Cliff, topics, key points? Yeah, I, I think that many times living in America, we tend to be concerned about just things that happen in America, but, you know, when we look at the international news, uh, it's not uncommon for there to be some type of disaster occurring really on a daily basis, you know, everything from cyclones and hurricanes and floods and, uh, and you name it. Um, I think that um, 
you know, I think the biggest thing is it's really an international problem, and I think one of the things that teams does is they bring people from from thirty plus countries to work together and uh, you know discuss uh, these issues. I mean, every everyone's involved in this. You wouldn't think about it from the World Health Organization to the World Bank. Yeah, agreed. And you know, the interesting thing about teams you know one of the interesting things is they they try and study lessons learned from past disasters and apply them to current disasters and it doesn't always work as they would like you know they they were trying to study the lessons learned from ebola for instance and um once again you know failed communication led to controversy over whether or not to for instance quarantine medical personnel in the united states that had been exposed to the disease but weren't showing symptoms. Um, While the science showed that Ebola virus isn't airborne, people feared the virus might mutate and become a problem. Uh, An example, he called it, of scientific fact versus personal fear. So I thought uh, Dr. Robertson did a great job. It was a good show, and uh, I agree. You know, it shows this is an international issue. I also had um, the fortune of meeting a gentleman actually was in a class we did from the Hong Kong Productivity Council. A little shout out to Grant Chow. Uh, Grant was uh, with us in Greenville last week um, and um, talking. We did the indoor environmentalist course. Very interesting program they have over there where they certify buildings. Um, they've got a thousand buildings now certified, and I believe there's 23 or 27 parameters. They certify. We're going to have a show on that next year, I think, Cliff. It's a very interesting program. They have one of only two in the world where a country has a certification or you know, indoor air quality regulations, essentially. Um, they don't have to certify their buildings, but they have other indoor air quality regulations that are, are very interesting and I thought pretty well thought out. So I'll be interested in doing that later on uh, in 2016. We'll talk more about that. All right, let's move on to uh, February 20th. We had Ed Ranieri. Ed Ranieri, the Cleveland Masters of Disaster. Great show. Really enjoyed um, talking to Ed, and then we were fortunate enough to have him uh, join us at our conference, the Indoor Environment, IEQ, Mold Disaster Restoration Conference at Seven Springs. And uh, Ed did a great job there as well. Cliff, thoughts from that show? He is just an entertaining guy. I think he was a very entertaining guest. And, you know, at our uh, Healthy Building Summit, I think he was a a popular and entertaining speaker. Yeah, I have to agree. And I think the big take-home lesson for me, and I'm still having a hard time doing this, and I'm, you know, know, Steve, you're out there, and others I know are listening that, that probably have the same um, I don't know if I'm going to call it a problem, but uh, personality, uh, glitch, whatever you may call it. The big take home for me from Ed was you, you've got to ask. You, you must ask people. If I want a sponsor for the show, they're not, you know, I've got to ask them. If I want business from someone, I've got to ask them. If I want their vote, if I'm a politician, I've got to ask for that vote. And Ed pondered that in both his interview on the radio and when we met, uh, when he, he spoke at the conference, and I thought that was a great takeaway, you know, uh, at least for some of us, we don't just come out and say, you know, hey, this is what I would like, um, you know, can you can you work with me on this? I think that's something we can all 
do a better job of, uh, or at least many of us. Cliff, let's go to the next one. Um, let's see. Well, that was 358. That was on February 27th. Yeah. Uh, we had uh, Dr. Jeffrey Sigel, Ph.D., uh, research the practice. He discussed filter forensics. And we started, uh, I think that was probably the first show where we talked about microbiome of the built environment uh, and more. Well, we had a lot of uh, discussion on the microbiome, but we also talked about ozone. Um, I think he had some good thoughts on ozone, but I, I want to highlight his thoughts on hydroxyl radicals because this is a topic we hear a lot about. And by the way, we also had um, Dr. Siegel was the keynote at our conference. After, after his presentation on the show, I uh, contacted him, asked if he could be the keynote, and what a what a fantastic uh, job he did for us at the conference with, uh, you know, eight kind of key points about indoor air quality that um, you don't always take into consideration, and also they were a little counterintuitive. Um, but what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to put something up on these eight points at a later date, but. Right now, I want to just talk a little bit about what he said on the show about these hydroxyl radicals. Um, there's no consistent terminology, number one, for these devices. And like ozone, they can react with background chemicals to form byproducts and unwanted new compounds. And I think the biggest take-home for me was when they tested several of these various generators of hydroxyls, the emissions varied pretty significantly between the models. Um, devices which emitted ozone or hydroxyls, he said, should not be called air cleaners. I, and I thought that was interesting information he brought out. I thought it was uh, a topic that was very timely, especially for a lot of our disaster restoration contractors. They're bombarded with information about these hydroxyl generators and um, I just don't think the science is there yet where I would certainly not recommend using them in an occupied facility. And I have tried them before on an odor project. They didn't really help much. Um, you've got to get the, the air, the, the whatever's causing the odor, in the machine. I don't think people realize that. So uh, there's a long way to go on them. There, there may be some potential there, but um, a little bit of a uh, – eye-opener when we talked to him about those particular units and then of course the microbiome stuff was just fascinating and uh, we have since done quite a bit on that and I agree with you on the filter forensics Cliff that's something I think people are going to be doing a little more of in the future you know taking some dust from the filter you can get a lot of information about the both the present and the past um, exposures in that particular environment whether it's a residential or commercial or hospital type environment so great show yeah, dr siegel was yeah, an well, excellent guest yeah well, i just have one other point that i'd like to add you know, he made a very profound comment uh that most of the research funding and national priorities are focused on energy efficiency because when they have improvement it's reflected in the next utility bill while indoor air quality benefits uh, are realized in the future 
he's a fascinating speaker. Anybody that gets a chance to go see Dr. Siegel, and he's entertaining as well. He's, um, you know, sometimes some of the academics can be a little dry, but not Jeff. Uh, he did a great job. All right, let's move on to March 6, 2015. Mr. Alan Veek. Uh, Alan is the, I think he's the chairman or the president of the uh, National Air Filtration Association. Cliff, thoughts on that show? Okay, um, that uh, the, the newer uh, layout floor plan in homes, the fact that it's open uh, creates problems for filtration because particles have an opportunity to settle before being captured. He provided some really good strategies uh, such as capturing contaminant the source by using exhaust and filtration, uh, using high-efficiency HEPA filter vacuum cleaners, running the HVAC system continuously, purchasing small air filtration units for problem areas and in bedrooms, and uh, the fact that running the HVAC fan continuously also helps uh, reduce air temperature stratification uh, in the house. Uh, another thing that I thought was important is the fact that in many commercial buildings, the room in which the HVAC system components are installed often gets cluttered with cleaning compounds and chemicals and that vapors from these products can get drawn into the system and circulated throughout the building. Yeah, Alan is a fascinating guy and, and a real you know, tremendous source of knowledge on filters and filtration. He was a part of the ASHRAE, you know, committee. Then he was a, a very, very influential with ASHRAE and some of the uh, standards they've put out when it comes to filtration. I thought it was interesting um, th that he said that um, gaps, for instance, in a residential HVAC system smaller than the thickness of a playing card are not a problem, while larger gaps waste energy and uh, I would assume also allow for more bypass and, and more particulate to get into the system. So I think people think about filtration and don't always think about the key part of filtration, which is the filter fit and seal and, and how important the filter fit and seal is. And he also mentioned that, you know, we, we typically will have a gasket sealing a filter into a commercial building um, and that we should do the same with residential. And I, I couldn't agree more. I see a whole lot of very poor residential filter um, uh, setup and, and, and installation, and they should be better designed systems and that um, we should have a better seal on the filter going into the system uh, because air does not flow like water. It goes in any direction. And um, I thought, you know, Al was a great resource for um, interesting talk on filtration. Also, if you're interested in the MERV rating system and the minimum efficiency reporting, reporting system, I think that's what he wanted to get through to me, not rating, reporting, that, um, you know, he did a great job of, of describing better for us what the MERV system is and what it is not and i think there's a good bit of uh, misconception on that so i'll leave it at that if you're interested in merv and and how that works a great show to go back and and check out and uh, learn a little bit more about that particular uh, pro uh subject cliff let's go back to uh, the next show we had um let's see we went from alan Vico oh, to brent stevens 
Brent Stevens, Dr. Brent Stevens, give us your thoughts from uh, Dr. Stevens, Illinois Institute of Technology. I think the uh, the two things that were most um, striking to me were both related to the building envelope being both a particulate barrier and filtering uh, of airborne particulate and also being a barrier to gases, in particular um, reducing ozone inside of buildings somewhere between 40 and 45 percent. And but he also said the building envelope does not stop carbon dioxide, and, and we're trying to get um, one of the authors on a new study that came out um, on carbon dioxide and some of the performance effects associated with high levels of carbon dioxide in buildings. So I thought that was an important point. And then I really enjoyed, um, and I've been looking at a little bit more, the bringing down the cost of measurement. Um, He's got an open source science, let me get this right, open source building science sensor project. And I thought that was fascinating. It led to some other shows we did, I have now referred other guests of the show to that particular website, and it's um, the cost of, is it measurement.com? So measurement.com, um, the open source building science sensor project. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, once again, this was a research to practice type interview. We wanted to learn a little more about what Dr. Stevens and the other researchers thought and, and how we could bring it to the um, you know to the, to the indoor air quality world because as as many of our listeners know that do indoor air quality surveys some of this equipment is not cheap um, to to buy a good VOC um, you know PID is not going to be cheap um, oxygen or um, carbon dioxide carbon monoxide sensors they're not cheap so it it's going to be interesting to see what happens to the prices of some of these products as that particular website and as the um, science world starts to collaborate and work open source. So it should be very interesting. Uh, We are now getting close to, what time do we have? Oh, yeah, we've got to take a little break here, folks. We're never going to make it through all these shows, Cliff. Uh, Where are we? We're in uh, March, and we're halfway through. So let's stop. We're going to thank our sponsors because, again, they help us pay the bills. And thanks to our newest sponsor, Particles Plus. Particles Plus engineers and manufacturers feature rich particle counters, air quality monitoring instrumentation, and vacuum pump technology. Learn more at www.particlesplus.com. Count on us. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions. We use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Check them out at legends-enviro.com. 
And of course, our marquee sponsors, John Don Products, or Restoration and Abatement Contractors Shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products or services. All right, we're back. Second half of our show. We're doing a little roundup on 2015 shows. We got up into late March. And uh, March 20th, we had Bob Krell, Kent Rahauser, and the indoor, the disaster restoration uh, global watchdog, Pete Consigli. Uh, we had a little indoor air quality association conference review. Cliff, thoughts from that show? Well, um, I, I guess that that show started on a sad note, and I guess that was you know the first person that we lost, uh, you know, from our industry. Larry Robertson passed away, and that. Um, Expo opened uh, with a tribute to the association founder and its first president, Larry Robertson. That was done by Danny Greenblatt. Uh, they inducted a couple of people who we know into their Hall of Fame, uh, Richard Shaughnessy, uh, Dr. Uh, Richard Shaughnessy and Pete Consigli. Uh, you know, that was good news. Um, you know, they discussed the merger, uh, you know, for, during a joint presentation, uh, ASHRAE President Tom Phoenix and IEQ President Kent Rawhauser did a joint presentation, you know, where they answered questions on the consolidation. Um, I thought one of the interesting um, pieces of information that came out at, at that event was, uh, according to the definitive guidelines for environmental infection control, in healthcare facilities, recommendations of the Center for Disease Control and the Healthcare Infection Control Practices Advisory Committee, wet sheetrock in healthcare facilities must be dry within 48 to 72 hours or it must be removed. And the guidelines for this uh, you know, can be you know, downloaded at the website. Yeah, I, th- I think you you got some of the key points I wanted to mention as well. One of the other ones is that now the IESO, the Indoor Environmental Standards Organi- Organization, uh, their writing activities, their standard writing activities are now um, moving over to ASHRAE. Uh, ASHRAE is obviously very credible and very well-recognized standards writing organization. So it should be interesting to see what happens to the standards that were in process that were being written. I know some of them were being written with other organizations like RIA, I, b- I believe. So it should be interesting to see, uh, learn more about that this year. We'll be, I'll be at the um, IAQA conference and the ASHRAE uh, AHR, Air Conditioning, Heating, and Refrigeration Expo at the end of January. Uh, I think we're going to do a, a show from down there. We're still working on that. So we'll bring you more information on that. Uh, late in January. It's been an interesting merger and um, still many things to learn and um, figure out where we're headed with that particular merger should uh, continue to be another interesting year. And of course, we appreciate 
Indoor Air Quality Association being a sponsor of the show. All right, let's move on to the next show. Oh, Mark Salvatelli. Um, that was uh, March 27th, 2015. Mark Salvatelli is the executive director for the Restoration Industry Association. He gave a conference uh, preview, and we can, uh, we're going to discuss that conference a little bit more specifically, Joe. So let's move on to episode 363, which was done on April 10th. And uh, for that episode, we had Dr. Jack Gilbert from the Argonne National Laboratory. He's the group leader for microbial ecology and really an expert on the microbiome of homes, hospitals, uh, and more. So I got a lot of good information out of that show. Yeah, that was just fascinating. Uh, the, the microbiome information is just unbelievable and, and the amount of information coming out, the, you know, just a couple of quick 99.999% of the bacteria in our bodies are beneficial. They help us develop and train our immune system. And by numerical count, microbes make up 90% of the cells in our body. Um, they, they weigh about two to three pounds, about the same as our brain. And the total count of microbes in our body, bacteria, comprise about 85 to 89% of that. I, just fascinating information. Um, we have as many as 100 trillion bacteria inside of us, uh, according to uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Gilbert, and, and his presentation was just fascinating stuff. It, it also, if you get a chance and you're not real squeamish, on this week's announcement, I, I put an article um, on the announcement that came out in my Science Digest, and I think most people know this and, and have for some years, but uh, this gives us a little more detail on on the, the, the microbiome of, of our own bodies, which includes these these face lice. And, um, you know, we all have lice actually growing on us and, and these little mites and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and they're important to uh, to our bodies. But it, it kind of gives you a little an odd feeling when you think about it. You know, they're in the follicles of the hair and so on and so forth. And, and they're really starting to understand better how these these uh, microbes, I guess you would call them, that are a part of our, our microbiome help and hurt our bodies. Um, and it's it's fascinating to know that they're family-specific. So so the lice that you and Zach have on your hair uh, and, and, the, and the follicles of your hair are, are going to be very similar and, and somewhat different from what myself and my son have. So it, it, I thought it was very interesting, and they also vary by region of the country, region of the world. Um, fascinating stuff. This whole microbiome discussion is really, uh, at, at times it's kind of a little, uh, makes you feel a little strange, a little, little creepy, but on the other hand, it is what we are and uh, we are what it is. So Cliff. Yeah, I've got a few more that, uh, microbes are another organ of the body, uh, that uh, the human body has evolved to avoid fungi that most fungi in our bodies are not sporinated. Uh, that when we move into a new home, we bring our microbiome with us, that each human has a unique microbial signature, and that even identical twins have different microbial signatures, um, that um, you know, surgery and antibiotics stress microorganisms' pursuit of food, causing them to rebel and attack their human host, 
uh, you know, keeping the right microbes happy prevents them from becoming dangerous. I thought a, a, another great one was um, that he, I don't know how definitive the statement was, but he talked about ergot fungus and how it was known to create hallucinogenic effects and that it was possible that the ghost sightings in old buildings may be attributed to these hallucinogenic effects of microbial VOCs from ergot fungus. I, I thought that was fascinating. I'll, I'll look forward to learning more about that as time goes on. Any other from that one, Cliff? Oh, that, that's good. I think we should probably move on to April 17, 2015. You know, we interviewed Maury Osley, Brian O'Hallett, J. David Rusa, and Tony Wilwright. Uh, we talked about the IICRC and the IICRCA. They gave us an update. And uh, I guess everything now has changed. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess we can now uh, move on to the next show, which was uh, the 24th of April, we talked to David Mason, we discussed his Sinequine process, and, uh, you know, Dave's a pioneer in cleaning for uh, sensitive and uh, at-risk people. Yeah, I thought Dave was fascinating, actually. Um, he, he did a great job, and, and I think it's it's one of those things, you know, here's a guy that's been doing this for, for many years, and um, I think one of the keys that, that I picked up and that I, I continue to use, I, I used to use it a good bit, but not as much as I have been lately, and that, that was the fact that he, he's continually using particle counters during his cleaning process to verify that they're removing even these very small particles that are in the indoor environment. And um, I think David brought a lot of value with his discussion of that and the Santa Clean process and, and what it means and, and how he does it. Um, I, I thought it was a, a great show, and, and I really enjoyed discussing that further with Dave um, at a later event we got together at. I think, too, that he, he is on to... Um, a very interesting kind of, I don't know what you would call it, like a segment of the industry where, he, you know, he's cleaning for people who are, for instance, coming home after um, a transplant surgery, and, and they want to make sure that, that that particular area those persons are going back to is, is well cleaned and, and has a, a very um, pristine environment for people that are immune compromised uh, i thought dave did a great job discussing that and uh he's done these jobs from as small as 2500 to you know a hundred thousand dollars so uh, again these don't have to be terribly expensive projects you can get in there and help people out quite a bit for you know not necessarily that big of a buck cliff okay i guess we can move on to uh may 1st 2015 that was episode 366, we had Dr. Shelley Miller, Ph.D., and we talked about the microbiome of water-damaged buildings and an event that she's involved with called Healthy Buildings 2015. You know, the Sloan Foundation is really doing a lot of funding on the microbiome, and they funded a study in 15 Boulder, Colorado homes. You know, during the study, they swabbed, sampled, air sampled, vent filter, uh, samples were taken, and they did this uh, twice per season over a year. They looked at the DNA of the microbes, and they used QPCR 
and DNA analysis so that uh, scientists, scientists could determine what was present and what wasn't, what was viable and what wasn't. And th this study took an interesting twist when 36 flooded and 14 non-flooded Boulder homes were added uh, to the study. And the homes that were flooded were remediated about two months after the flood. And, um, you know, some of the, uh, you know, I think some of the statistics at the end were, were pretty important, that the houses that were flooded had significantly different organisms and statistically higher, uh, three times higher level of fungi than those that were unflooded. So I think pretty important and compelling information on water-damaged buildings. Yeah, and, and Dr. Miller, um, Shelley, had some other very interesting comments. One, and this is one that I, I'm glad I see again because um, Al Veek, our filtration expert, had a similar comment, and that is that some of these electrically enhanced air filters um, do lower particulate in homes and, and are are helpful, um, and, and that they're making good strides, good, good, um, you know, they're, they're making good progress with some of the new filtration uh, media and um, that, that we're going to see breakthroughs, I think, in that area and that's something we should be watching for and uh, keeping an eye on so that, you know, we can, we can make the best use of, of uh, cleaning products within homes, including air cleaners. And um, last, I also thought that uh, it was interesting that um, you mentioned Sloan Foundation a couple times now, and um, we've actually been in contact with uh, the folks at the Sloan Foundation. They're very happy that we've been doing some of these research-to-practice shows, and I think next year you'll see a little more of that. Um, I can't say anything right now because we haven't finalized anything, but I plan on really continuing to pursue these types of guests on this show. I think they're really on the cutting edge and they're the type of people that will help us move this industry forward and um, do so knowing that what we're doing is is not just, you know, our best, I, want, I don't want to say guests, but it's not just, um, you know, that we've learned things in the field and over time we figured out this works, this works better, but that we're going to have people actually following these uh, processes that we use and verifying scientifically that they work and how they work, and maybe some don't work very well. So uh, I look forward to more of that in 2016. Let's go to the next show. Um, we, we were at the RIA conference, I believe. Yeah, in the IICRCA conference. We were there with uh, Brian O'Halleck, Chuck Violand, and uh, Pete Consigli were on that show. I thought it was an interesting week, um, and I agree with you, Cliff. I don't know that we're going to get too deep into the IICRC and the Council of Associations on this show, but I do want listeners to know there's been some really significant changes uh, at the IICRC over the last three months even. Had an election in November that um, is going to significantly change the organization and the future of the organization. I don't necessarily know whether that'll be a a good change, but um, I guess the time will tell, and Cliff and I do plan on going into a lot more detail on this in a future show, but I don't think we're quite ready for that yet. What do you think, Cliff? I, I agree. I think some things have to play out, Joe. And then, you know, once they do, we'll be in a better position 
to comment. You know, we can't talk about history uh, until it occurs, so we have to, to see what happens. But, you know, one of the interesting things uh, that, that happened at that event, uh, you and I uh, were asked to chair a panel discussion on the S-500 water damage standard. Uh, it was very, very well attended. Uh, they had it at a crate. It was, what, what time was it in the morning? Like 7 o'clock? 7 in the morning. <laughs> and we had, I mean, they had to bring in extra chairs and standing room only. Uh, you know, in the room because that that standard is, you know, because it's procedural, um, it, it was really a, a topic of uh, of great concern. And uh, well, I guess I don't we... know that I really have anything else. Uh, you know, for me, it was a, a blur, the same as I'm sure it was for you when you're involved with these organizations and you're on committees. And, you know, it's one meeting after another and. You really don't get a chance to attend uh, anywhere near as many of the sessions that you would like to. You know, I guess the thing that stood out to me was that even the the harshest critics of the new S500, which has now been published, um, there was a big controversy over the air mover section. You know, even the harshest critics, I would say, gave some credit to the to the committee and to the committee chair um, that, that they did try and work with all the commenters and, and come to a, a, a pretty decent, you know, um, uh, agreement on how that standard would be and how it would move forward. I think you're right, though, that it being such a procedural type of standard makes that very difficult and, and ties the hands of some of the restoration people out there. But it is what it is, and uh, it's out now, and the new S500 is available, and I believe the new S520 is available. S520, there weren't too many changes. S500, there were quite a few, and I'm sure we'll have a show on that early next year. Next show was, we had Ruth Ann Norton, and uh, we had, uh, let's see, I uh, just lost track. Oh, and Mark Kravitz, Larry Zarker. Larry. So uh, we had three folks there. EPA Awards Green and Healthy Homes Initiative, the 2015 National Environmental Leadership Award in Asthma Management. Cliff, thoughts on that show? Well, I think that, uh, you know, they have a, a very worthy mission. The Green and Healthy Homes Initiative is dedicated to breaking the link between unhealthy housing and unhealthy children. So, uh, you know, who can argue with that? You know, what a worthy cause. And that uh, they get involved with intervening with an integrated whole house approach that produces sustainable, green, healthy, and safe homes. And they're uh, improving health, economic, and social outcomes for families across the country. The one thing that I remember was a very important statistic that for every dollar invested in, in dealing properly with lead, uh, this has reduced uh, medical costs by $221. So that's great investment. I like the whole concept uh, of the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative and the and the other groups. Um, you know, and, and we'll talk about BPI, the Building Performance Institute, which Larry Zarker is. Um, I think he's the managing director. Or he's one of the leaders of that group. He may be the chairman. I, I don't recall the exact title. But 
they they look at things in a holistic manner, and um, I think that's a key. You know, you, you can't just look at one small component. I, I've always loved what uh, Wayne Baker said on our show many years back, that if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I know, you know, many people have heard that saying before, but he was talking specifically about mold, mold inspection, mold remediation, mold this, mold that. Mold's an important topic, um, and I, you know, I'd be, you know, smacking myself if I didn't say that it was an important topic. We we teach mold remediation courses, and um, I think it's an important topic. But I think it's also a topic that people focus on a little too much at the um, uh, detriment to other indoor air quality issues within homes. And um, I think that's something that these groups are doing a great job of trying to get through to people, that you have to look at the home in a holistic manner. You have to keep it dry, keep it pest-free, keep it maintained, contaminant-free, ventilated, safe, energy-efficient has recently been added. And that's where Larry Zarker comes in uh, with the Building Performance Institute. They are um, actually starting to work together with other groups to make sure that when their people go out and improve energy efficiency in buildings, they're not doing it to the detriment of other indoor environmental quality related issues. And it's great to see those people working together. Uh, They also mentioned good friends of ours at Children's Mercy Hospital and clinics in Kansas City. Um, They uh, work together a lot of times on on some of these programs and and um, they're doing a great job of, of looking at it in a holistic manner and not just going in with uh, a hammer and beating the heck out of mold but they look at other issues as well so I think that's an important point for listeners let's go on to the next show Cliff well we had a flashback on May 22nd so let's go to May 29th we had Richard Rue building science and major performance, and what an interesting guy he is. I'll say. Uh, I guess his company started as an offshoot uh, of ex-NASA engineers who designed the heating and cooling systems for the original Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo space capsules. And, uh, you know, they spun this company off. Uh, Just a couple of comments. Uh, that will probably uh, raise the hair on the back of some people's neck. And his first comment was, engineers are taught to believe what ASHRAE tells them. However, ASHRAE is not infallible. Uh, Another comment that he made, it's not uncommon for 70% of the insulation value of fiberglass insulation to be lost during improper installation. Yeah, I thought his his thoughts on fiberglass insulation were eye opening. Um, that you know, let's let's face it, here in the Pittsburgh area, at least you know, fiberglass. I would say ninety five percent of uh, even today uh, new homes, ninety percent anyway, have fiberglass insulation. And um, you know, Richard did a good job of pointing out some of the issues with using fiberglass inf- insulation. He comes from the insulation business. And uh, he's just not a real big believer in fiberglass insulation for the most part. They they use other types of insulation, some of your foam uh, cellulose-type insulation. Um, not a fan. He prefers things like rock wool, sprayed cellulose, or sprayed foam insulations. And I thought, 
you know, that was an important point. Um, I've got a small construction company here. My, my son does some construction. And, you know, we've, we've kind of um, adjusted some of our thoughts based on not only that show, but once again, after interviewing Richard on our show, we, we brought him up for the uh, Healthy Building Summit up here in our IAQ Mold Disaster Restoration Conference at Seven Springs, where he did a great job. And it was fascinating because we had uh, John Lapoterre came up and John was talking about the problems with foam, and Richard was talking about the good aspects of foam, and and between the two of them, they actually came to uh, to agreement on a lot of things. And I think uh, John and he probably spoke after the conference about bringing some of Richard's uh, energy wise type uh, concepts to builders in the Florida area, because I like the fact that their their mechanical systems are designed and their their um, ductwork and all that are designed for the home. You don't just have a kind of one-size-fits-all. They're very specific about how they design these systems, and they're, they're very important systems. He's also another one of the folks that um, we've been hearing more and more of this, especially over the last year, that um, ventilation can be overrated. I'm not going to uh, uh, you know, necessarily sugar-coated. I think Richard feels ventilation can be overrated. I think some of the other guests we've had have, have been, you know, Alvik is another one, and they're not saying it's not important that we shouldn't have ventilation, but sometimes we bring some pretty nasty stuff in from the outside as well, and if we are a little more balanced in our approach and um, take better ex- uh, advantage of some of the tremendous filtration opportunities that um, you know we can we can still have a good indoor environment and not use as much outside air. I think that's a, a topic that's going to continue to be kind of um, batted back and forth between the advocates for more ventilation and the advocates for less ventilation and more filtration. Um, I don't think either one is is going to say the other's wrong. I think there's going to be some balance in there at some point. So Richard was a great guest, and uh, I know I've got to get moving here if we're going to get through all these. Cliff, go to the next one, please. Okay, next show uh, was, uh, let's see, June 5th. We had Nate Adams, What is energy smart home performance and uh he's an interesting guy yeah i I enjoyed having nate uh once again a whole you know holistic approach type of guy i think nate brought up some good points about how just doing piecemeal energy efficiency um renovations or upgrades really doesn't make as big of a difference as as we would like and uh he's kind of changing the model at least for his company and i think he hopes for other companies on how we improve energy efficiency in homes and he's looking at as a a more holistic type of uh process as opposed to just plugging some holes and adding some insulation so i think those were the key points i got from nate's um presentation he also has the one knob blog which is an interesting blog on energy efficiency related issues uh i think he's he's an up-and-coming kind of young guy another guy we had at the conference uh after his presentation i thought uh, he'd be a great guy to bring up and and talk to people about how energy efficiency and indoor air quality can exist in the same buildings yeah one final thing i think on that show uh again we had the uh put the flag at half-mast and, and 
uh, play taps. Uh, that week we mourned the loss of Martin King. Uh, he was a teacher and mentor to many in the restoration uh, industry, and he's best known for his long-term service as technical director at Restoration Industry Association. Great point. Great point, Cliff. I tell you, it looks like we're only going to get through if we're lucky, June. Um, and then we might have to continue this show um, after the new year, Cliff. What do you think? up to you, Joe, whatever you prefer to do. I think that's the way to go. You know, we could start next year with a, a review of the second half of last year and then roll right into uh, some new guests for next year because we're never going to get through all this and there's some, some great people that we had on the second half of the year. I'm looking at the list right now. Um, you know, we had Sharon Kramer here. We had Joe Spurgeon, who we could talk for 15 minutes on him alone. Of course, Lou Harriman is just tremendous. Um, you know, Phil Moray, that was a flashback. Ralph Moon did a great job. I'm thinking we might want to uh, just come back and, and finish the year at the beginning of next year. Well, we can. Uh, one thing, um, you know, you mentioned, Phil, we did a flashback and the reason we did that flashback is Phil was the third person that we lost in 2015. You know, it's one of the, um, I, I try and I look back and think about, you know, I think it's eight years now that we've been doing this show. And I think one of the most important things we've been able to do is to get these pioneers and these, these just, you know, I mean, unbelievable guests on the show. And unfortunately, I'm guessing there's 10 or 12 of them that aren't with us any longer. And um, those shows will live forever. Um, you know, they're out in the Ethernet here, and they'll, they'll live forever. And I think that's one of the things I'm most proud about when I think back on our years doing IAQ Radio. Yeah, no, I think it was, uh, you know, I think it happened accidentally, you know, uh, you know, initially, but I think it's a tradition and, uh, you know, we've just tried to honor those people that have come uh, before us and who, uh, you know, sparked the light and whose shoulders, uh, you know, we stood on. So, absolutely. Well, let's, let's wrap it up with the Violand Executive Summit, Cliff. Um, that's always a fascinating show and event. Uh, I think it's two, maybe three years now. We've done a show live from the Executive Summit at uh, Chuck Violand at uh, Kent State uh, Stark campus of Kent State over in uh, Ohio there and uh, home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame too so Canton, Ohio uh, give us your key thoughts from that and then let's wrap it up and uh, we'll come back at the beginning of the year with the rest of 2015 year in review well I have a, a couple of you know a, a series of them uh, Tim Hall who happens to live in the Pittsburgh area is an expert on uh, insurance uh, estimating uh, yeah, a couple of things, that, a couple of points that he made. You know, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Uh, you need more than a tape measure in order to properly uh, you know, make a, a damage appraisal. Uh, Cordell Norton uh, on branding. Uh, the three E's, expectations of customers, experiences that they've orchestrated through, uh, and events. Uh, one of the things that he said that was very striking, when you advertise with a video commercial 
only 14% of the people who see it believe it. If you ask someone for a testimonial and they do a YouTube for you, 94% of the people will believe that, the importance of doing YouTube testimonials. Dr. Holly Bogner, Ph.D., uh, she's an expert on personal inventory using Myers-Briggs uh, profiling. Excellent stuff. And that, that profile helps us understand ourselves better, makes us better people, better business owners, makes us a better worker, a better team leader. And the more we understand ourselves, the more we can help uh, others. Uh, Jack Shanks on negotiation and uh, some of the biggest mistakes made in negotiation. Not asking the right questions. Too many unknowns. Not taking the time to figure out what we don't know and getting the necessary information. And what he called the 40%, 70% rule popularized by General Colin Powell. Don't take action on anything until you have 40% of the necessary information. Don't waste time trying to get more than 70% of the information. Um, Scott Tackett on leadership. Communication between generations begins with our ability to listen. While we may not agree, we must listen to where all employees are coming from. Give older workers the traditionalist the straight scoop. Generation Xers between the ages of 27 and 42 only want to know the time, not how to build a clock. And 18-year-olds want to know how it impacts them uh, directly. I like that. Only want to know the time, not how to build a clock. You know, but that's that's a shame uh, because I think, unfortunately, kids don't – they're not naturally that way. We, unfortunately, educate them to be that way. Kids are naturally inquisitive. They do want to learn how that clock works and how to build that clock, but then – uh, unfortunately, over time, for whatever reason, it uh, it goes away, you know, and and that's a shame. But I don't want to I don't want to dwell on that too much. Any other points from that show, Cliff? No, I'm good. I I enjoy those shows a great deal, and I enjoy going to the Violin Executive Summit. Uh, I pick up something new every year. You you picked up on quite a few of the points um, that I you know just love to. Uh, love to think about when we talk about our own businesses and and how we can do a better job because we've we've got to be able to uh, we've got to be able to uh, we got to be able to make a buck to continue doing what we do and I, I think that's you know um, a really important point that um, Violin Summit brings out. One thing before we go, I'd like to do um, you know we've got the cyber jockey uh, back in the back in the saddle over there at the uh, McKees Rocks uh, studio. I'd like to get a last word from uh, the cyber jockey if we can, Zach Zlotnick. Sure, Joe. Um, you know I'm I'm happy to be here and everything. And uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting, uh, just just hearing about your year in review was was it. it Mind you, as 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 an engineer, this really stuck out to me was the open source building science testers thing. I actually went on uh, their website and I pulled up their source code and everything, and and, and it looked pretty cool. Um, and 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 it strikes me as interesting because uh, it strikes me as interesting um, as as some of the discoveries that are going to be made with that. Once you once you collect all that data, you have. Like, like, say your sensors pull like every second. You can 
house all that data somewhere and do some just absolutely amazing uh, analysis on it. It's part of this whole big data thing that gets uh, thrown around. Great point. That's a great point, Zach. Um, and I, I think that's a big part of what they're trying to do is is start with getting low-cost sensors out and then mm-hmm. gathering that data. Uh, interesting point you bring up, though. I, I've Actually, John and I, uh, John, you got to have faith, and I've been playing with one of these little thermal imaging cameras you can connect to your phone here today. I got a new phone, and I bought the one that I knew I could put this little Seek thermal imaging camera on, and uh, it's a pretty interesting little tool. We're having a lot of fun with it. Oh uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be amazing to see you know within the next you know two or three years some of the research that's done in in, in this field because we because now now that the um, now that the cost of these devices has 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 gotten so low, and in fact in this case the the schematics and everything for those are all open source, so I could just order the parts and build one if I were so inclined. Um, between that and how, between that and how fast computers have gotten these days, it's just, it's just going to be interesting to see what, uh, see what comes out of all of that. It really is. And, and you combine that with the microbiome research that's going on. You talk about computers being faster. One of the things they need to do is crunch a whole lot of data. When you, when you look at the DNA of things, you're really getting a ton of data, and, and dealing with that data is the hard part. So you bring up great points, as always. Uh, Zach, great to have you on the show. Um, glad to see you're back in the Berg and uh, visiting with the family. Yeah. Well, I moved back. I'm now a DevOps engineer at IBM Watson, so this whole big data thing, uh, it's, it's speaking my language, Joe. Oh, good for you. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, good to have you. I hope, hopefully we'll get together sometime. I'll come down and we'll do a reunion show. Absolutely. I'd so, love that. Sounds good. The cyber, cyber jockey, Zach Zlotnick. Hey, we want to wish everyone a Merry Christmas and a healthy and uh, prosperous New Year. IAQ Radio will, as usual, take a few days off here. We'll be back on uh, Friday, January 8th, uh, with the next edition of IAQ Radio. We're going to finish the year in review. And then we've got a couple of other great shows lined up for the rest of January. Just uh, looking forward to another year of communication and education. Cliff, any final comments? Nope, it was a good year, and uh, yeah, hope the next one will be a better one. You know, and it's always, uh, I want to make sure I thank you as well, Cliff. It's It's been a pleasure working with you the past eight years, um, uh, ten years in, uh, overall, but I think the show are about eight years now. And um, I think we make a great team, and um, I enjoy working with you and and getting your perspective on things. Uh, You've got a great uh, history and uh, a lot of experience in both the disaster restoration and the indoor air quality world. And uh, it's been a great time, and I look forward to another 10 years of working together and helping to spread the word about indoor environments, indoor uh, building science, and, of course, disaster restoration. So this is Radio Joe saying thanks to our loyal group of listeners out there. Uh, By the way, downloads, once again, are creeping back up. We've had a couple great weeks. Um, We're going worldwide. Things are coming along very nicely. And uh, we may have a few new wrinkles for you next year. Please come back and join us next Friday, January 8th for the next episode of IAQ Radio. 
This has been another IAQ Radio production.